And at 25 minutes after the hour on a Transcendent Tuesday, we switch gears here. The music is over. That's okay. You can stop. Just sit down now and, and, and sit back and relax because Dr. Don is here. Don is a member of the Board of Creation Moments, a biochemist with, with oodles, oodles, uh, scads of experience in, in pharmaceuticals. But he's also, well, he's, he, he brings to us scientific stuff every week that without him we would be, we would be bereft of. Wouldn't we, Don? I just imagining. Well, maybe. Don's... I mean, you could try to talk about these articles on your own. Uh, yeah, but, I, uh, hopefully, I, I had some insight to them. Well, <laughs> I'm, just, the... I'm just imagining Don's, Don's committee uh, you know, when he got his doctorate. <laughs> they're, they're spinning in their grave. When you're talking about oodles and stuff. Yeah, well, the, the, the thing is, I've been interesting, introducing Don on Tuesday mornings for, what, now 11, 12 years now, and I'm running out of different ways to do it. So just we'll, we'll do that. We, we, Don, Don, Don shows an article for us from Cornwall Alliance, and we've talked about climate change many times here. And uh, a couple of the, the fallacies of the climate change crowd have been exposed by two different studies, peer-reviewed studies here. And Don is going to enlighten us. Now, Don, I clicked on a link. This is a Cornwall Alliance link. And by the way, there's a link to this article in the chat window at brokenroadradio.com if you'd like to follow along. But there's a link to Climate Magazine. And I clicked on it, and it crossed my eyes. It has got all kinds of names and scientific terms and, and three-letter uh, acronyms and it, it, it's the paper that explains UHI urban heat islands can you can you tell us what that's all about uh, sure it's actually relatively easy to understand so the urban heat islands or UHI um, is uh, the cities so the cities <laughs> Uh, you know, cities around the world, and uh, the concrete, the blacktop, the the streets, the the buildings, you know, all absorb heat, and so they absorb the heat during the day, and of course they give off the heat during the night. Now, uh, what these two uh, researchers or or groups of researchers really uh, did uh, was to uh, point out the fallacy in uh, the International Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. That's the IPP, IPCC uh, group that uh, kind of sets climate policies around the globe. Those are the people and, ringing, uh, the, yes. ringing the alarm bells around the world, huh? Yeah, ringing the alarm bells. And uh, so you have these urban heat centers, and guess where most of the temperature monitoring is? Hmm. Hmm. It's in these urban heat centers. <laughs> Downtown. So... Uh, yes, where the good, where the downtown, but I mean, in various parts in the urban heat center, yeah, where the good, the, the good restaurants cities. are, the good restaurants are there. I mean, there's every reason to have your research laboratory in a big city right next to well, a, it makes it convenient. Right next to an olive garden, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and, uh, and other enjoyable restaurants, I'm sure. But if you're trying to do climate analysis uh, and uh, you're trying to see 
was is there really a climate change or is there really you know an increase in temperature or is this just an artifact of the urban heat heat centers just think about it so back in the 1850s right uh, how big were our cities well i mean most of them weren't very big i mean london probably was still a big city but um it, it uh, you know, uh, well, they weren't they weren't heat, they weren't heat sinks grown. like they are now. They, they didn't have the concrete <laughs> and the, the big buildings, exactly. the glass, the traffic. Have, they would know. have they didn't have the concrete buildings. They didn't mm-hmm. have they would have maybe mud or dirt, uh, you know, uh, um, roads and stuff like that. Um, and uh, so, all of this that we're doing in our cities that is turning you know having concrete buildings as, as opposed to wood structures and, and other type of buildings having uh, skyscrapers in uh, in town and uh, uh, all the concrete you know that is there that absorbs uh, the heat has influenced the temperature measuring over the past what two, you, 200 you years you might or say so. skewed the measuring uh, entirely Yes, it skewed it entirely because guess what's going to happen to the UHI or the Urban Heat Index as your city grows Mm -hmm. and as it changes into a modern city of today? Well, the temperature is going to rise. You know, the average temperature in the city is going to rise. And that's exactly what we see. <laughs> uh, and that's just the, the, the factor of the urban, you know, heat uh, center. So uh, changing the materials and making the buildings taller and uh, all sorts of things. Not to mention, okay, there's heat from engines of, of uh, automobiles and buses and that type of stuff. So we're actually generating heat. So what these two research groups did was, was saying, okay, what if we just eliminate that data? Because we want to see what is the effect of other, what is the true effect uh, on climate change of human activity? And uh, when they did that, they estimated that uh, when they just looked at urban, I mean, rural areas, for example, out in the countryside or and sea temperatures and, you know, that type of thing, uh, they found out that, gee, the it looks like these urban heat uh, uh, centers is... Uh, Probably attributing 40%, maybe more, to the models that are coming out of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. So it's skewing the data uh, tremendously. Uh, And so they said, well, let's just look at the data and see what is the the influencing factor on uh, the temperature. And when when they did that, first they found that Hey, you know what? The the temperature in the rural areas hasn't changed that much. I mean, sometimes it's cold and sometimes it's warm, but really hasn't changed as much as the IPCC saying that it's changed. And uh, so the studies in the well, these studies coming out of the International Governmental Panel on Climate Change are highly, highly skewed. By the way, that's a and, that's uh, a UN organization. We should point out too, so which yes, identifies the uh, politics so, involved here. Yeah, 
So uh, this research group, 37, uh, I mean, 37 scientists from 18 countries led by uh, Willie Soon at the Center for Environmental Research and Earth Sciences, or CERES, if you, uh, if you will, um, uh, redid the data over the past 150 years. And uh, the most significant factor that they, the group, found was, well, not only did they find that these, the IPCC data was, was uh, filed up because of the UHIs, but, you know, they found that the, the most significant factor in the climate, in the, in the minuscule increase in climate, in temperature, um, was the sun. I mean, who knew? Oh, surprise, who knew? surprise, it surprise. Was a, a natural yeah. phenomenon. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was, the, it was the sun. And when the energy of the output of the sun increases, temperatures rise. When the, uh, output, when the energy output of the sun decreases, temperatures fall. I mean, how about that? I mean, who would have, you know, guessed that the sun would have so much effect on Earth's, uh, you know, environment? And when you think about it, you know, the sun, <clears throat> you know, what is the energy source for the, for the Earth? There's only one energy source for the Earth, and that's the sun, <laughs> right? And uh, so uh, it, the sun produces... Uh, all of the energy coming into the earth and it, obviously the sun and the sunlight gets absorbed by by plants and uh, you know that the energy that's used inside the plant comes from the sun and warming the atmosphere and and all of this so fluctuations in the sun which we know have a had an effect um, apparently have most of the effect for what we're seeing in the climate act activity uh, of today. And so you would, uh, you would think that um, other scientists would catch on. And uh, apparently uh, they haven't as yet because, as we've talked about in other programs, the folks at the International Panel on uh, Climate, the IPCC groups, Anybody associated with that, if you want funding from them, you have to show that the climate, uh, the climate change is caused by, uh, by people and not by natural causes like, uh, like the sun. You have to accede to, to, their, to their, their position in this. Now, it, it, the article goes on to talk about the IPCCs. Again, this is the United Nations organization, has a solar data set. That is, they, they considered the sun... And and they, their data suggests that the sun has basically no effect in the mid twenties. So the the new data directly conflicts with what the UN has reported. So the question is: Is it just uh, their word against our word, or, or where where's the scientific support coming from? And I I suggest that the UN is is being rather selective in what it chooses to read. Oh, very much so. I mean that that is clear from these uh, from these two studies that that the uh, that the UN and the IPCC is uh, <clears throat> wants a certain conclusion, uh, and uh, so uh, out of that can come all kinds of governmental policies, which you know of course we're seeing, and uh, the uh, 
the uh, uh, other aspect of this is that uh, these, one of the groups, I don't remember which one, um, oh, the, the, the series group, uh, looked at, uh, they were, un, the only uh, factor that they found was, well, not the only factor, but the most, the, the sun's output was able to explain most, if not all, changes in rural temperatures based on the uncontaminated heat island records. And uh, the other aspect of the series researchers, what they found was it was unable to correlate any influence of rising atmospheric CO2 with patterns of warming and cooling over the past 150 to 170 years. Mm. Unable. It means that there was no correlation <laughs> between mm. rising CO2 levels <laughs> and <laughs> the fluctuation in uh, rural temperatures. So... Mm. Why are we spending billions and billions of dollars trying to get rid of CO2, which is a plant food, and, uh, and um, when it has no effect on atmospheric temperatures? It has no effect on climate change. And uh, we, we know it has, I mean, any reasonable scientist, uh, you don't necessarily have to be a, a cos, you know, a, a climate uh, scientist. Any reasonable scientist can understand that, you know, CO two is, as we've talked about before, is not a very good, uh, you know, greenhouse greenhouse gas. It's just not. I mean, water is 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 very much more better at being a greenhouse gas than CO two is. And not only that, you know, the CO2, uh, uh, the percentage, or not percentage, but the amount of CO2 in our atmosphere today is, is like uh, 400 parts per, per million or billion. Uh, I, don't, I think it's million. Uh, but in the past, it's been, you know, up to 2,000, if not, you know, 5,000. And, you know, we had plants and animals, you know, back then. The temperatures, you know, weren't extremely you know hot that it didn't support life so what's the big deal with the co2 and so you're left with the conclusion that the big deal is not the science but it is an agenda and therein you know lies the answer to the push that we have because you know if they're trying to get rid of co2 then, oh, you know, you can't have gas stoves anymore, and we can't uh, drive gasoline-powered or diesel-powered vehicles, and uh, we can't burn uh, coal uh, efficiently like we have been doing, mm -hmm. and you can't use natural gas uh, as a source of energy. Well, what are you going to use? You know, what are you going to use? The, your, the, I mean, yeah, the cleanest form of, uh, of energy actually would be nuclear uh, energy uh, with a nuclear power plant. But we've seemed to squash that. Uh, I mean, it, it clean as far as, yes, it's, it's a dirty process because now you've got radioactive material around that you need to need to deal with. But we've had many, many years of research on how to, not only in containment, but uh, how to, you know, kind of 
get rid of the material once it's the fuel is spent or recycle uh, for example, re-enrich, if you will, the uh, control rods. Um, and so, uh, what uh, you know, what what we're left with, of course, is greater energy costs, wasted money spent on uh, research that isn't going to pan out and isn't going to be viable for anything, and uh, so. Even here in Texas, for example, if you go out in West Texas, um, you know, in the high high plains area, they can't build the windmills fast enough. <laughs> and uh, we've learned in the past, in the recent past, for example, in uh, 2021, uh, when we had the deep freeze here, that those uh, windmills don't work when they freeze. In other words, they're not building them with heaters inside, which would take energy, mm-hmm. uh, so that they could keep spinning. But when they froze, they stopped spinning. <laughs> and so you have no energy. And they were rolling, and rolling brownouts for people. Yeah. When it's cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Now, Dave, David, David uh, where, where was your story about the new 1,000-foot windmills? Was that Peter Zion uh, article? Yeah, that was in uh, Peter, Peter Zion's uh, morning diatribe. He was talking about the Sunzia project in New Mexico. It's uh, eleven billion dollars. They're going to build um, windmills uh, up to a thousand feet high to take advantage of the uh, of the high wind currents, as the high wind currents are more are more steady. And uh, of course, it doesn't get cold up at a thousand feet high, does it? I think I think it's so I think it's going to be colder it gets. I I think I think it'll be okay. A thousand thousand right. feet's yeah. not that big a deal, but except for I building think, windmills, a thousand feet. I mean, that would be something. Yeah, it's, it's windmills, uh, and they're they're building most of the windmills in New in New Mexico. And talk about your um, eye, your eyesores. Mm-mm. Yeah, right now they're ju- now they're just raising money because they're going to need a lot of money to uh, to invest, and in. a lot of people are retiring right now, which is making money tight. Mm-hmm. And Don, you pointed out to us several times over the years in our climate change discussions that that scientists can identify cycles of warming and cooling and cycles of increased CO2 and decreased CO2, but they really can't tell you which is the cause and which is the effect. Well, this study is suggesting that, hey, there is a correlation between rising, I mean, between heating and cooling, and that is the sun activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in in the past, these uh, you know the climate uh, scientists that are supported by IPCC, uh, you know suggested, oh no, the sun activity it doesn't really have a, that major effect on our climate change. Um, but these folks, you know, said, hey, most of if not all <laughs> of uh, the heating and cooling can be can be attributed to solar activity. See, that statement now, is ca- counterintuitive is that the sun isn't, isn't the primary, the prime mover in all this. I mean, that, that sounds ridiculous to me, that assertion that it's, it can't, can't be the yeah. sun that's doing this. Yeah, it, it, it isn't even, you know, um, uh, it, it, it's not even logical to think that the sun's not going to have an influence. The, the sun, which is the major well, provider the, of energy to the, this earth, the assumption is not going to have a major effect on our climate. The assumption that there's even substantial 
temperature increases is is a fallacy. It's not true. Well, substantial, no, it isn't true. So, yes, the temperature has been increasing a little bit uh, over the past 150 to 170 years. Um, but like I said, that even that increase can be attributed not to man's activities, uh, you know, so much as to the sun's activities. And even now, I mean, uh, last year and the year before and this year, for example, the, the sunspot activity and the energy output of the sun is on a rise. So we should anticipate uh, moving forward here within, you know, the next uh, three to five years that our temperatures might, you know, might increase, probably will increase because the output of the sun is increasing. And uh, the lies that you're going to be hearing on uh, in the media is, oh, we, we definitely have to do something about, about uh, climate change because uh, everybody's burning up you know, in the summer, and uh, we're freezing in the winter, uh, and all of this has to do with with uh, man's activities, and that that's just, it, it's bunkers, it, mm -hmm. it, you know, that's not the case. Well, you know, on the other, the, um, the, the other, the other side of the argument is that, that there's a, a movement afoot somewhere, we, we talked about this a couple of months ago, to actually build some sort of digital or electronic umbrella from space to shield us from the sun. How, how silly is that idea? <laughs> oh, you're asking for trouble. Because just think about it. You sh if you shield the sun's activity, you have less radiation coming to the earth. And uh, so if you're trying to stop CO2 production, and if you're trying to to uh, block the sun, guess what's going to happen to your food supply? Mm -hmm. You're going to have you you know you're going to have a famine because we're not going to be able to produce food. I mean, it, it doesn't take a climate scientist or a rocket scientist, for this matter, to figure out that's a bad idea to start <laughs> messing around with Mother Nature like that and uh, to cause such a thing. I, You know, it's uh, at kind of the conclusion of this article, uh, uh, the... Uh, uh, Dr. Soon uh, says, well, hopefully our new analysis and data sets can help other scientists to get back to doing real climate science. Aha, uh -huh. we could use and, some of those, yeah. And so, yeah, I hope so. I hope, you know, more of the climate scientists saying, I'm not going to do this phony science anymore. I'm going to get back to, you know, what I love doing, which is Hey, let's just get let's analyze the data properly as opposed to fudging the data to our conclusions ahead of time. Ah, but the politics of it. There's the rub. Oh, there's the oh. rub. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the politics. Mm. Yes, that's uh, you know the the number one agenda right now for the World Economic Forum forum is climate change. Yes, it is. Mm. Oh, well, we're getting, yeah, I, not going away. Know, this goes back. Soon, huh? Go back to Don's theory of devolution. We are less bright now than we were the previous generation <laughs> and all previous generations. It's been a slippery slope since the uh, Garden of Eden. 
like the hockey <laughs> stick all over again. <laughs> yeah. Don, I mentioned, yep. is, the, is the, a board member at Creation Moments, their website, creationmoments.com, and there you'll find lots of information that explains, supports, elucidates the biblical story of creation. And uh, again, we, we've talked about Genesis with Dr. Don many times. We There's no claim that it's scientific, but it's historic, and it's awfully good. It's a good starting point for science to read Genesis and work from there. And you find that uh, that science actually confirms what, uh, what the Bible tells us. So, Don, we're thankful for that information, for the information you brought today, and we'll look forward to next week. So thanks very much. All right. <clears throat> very good. See you folks next yeah. week. Bye-bye. <laughs>